You're listening to Syndicated Thursday on Hacker Public Radio. Today we're going to take an episode from the QSK Netcast, originally aired on October the 15th, 2010. This is a talk that Russ gave at the Ohio Linux Fest 2010, and it's entitled The Origins of Open Source. And it's apt that we're talking about Linux Fest, as I would like to take a moment to ask you for some help. The Linux Fest Northwest is going ahead in Bellingham, Washington on the 30th of April to the 1st of May 2011. And we are going to be represented by a booth. You can get more information at the northeastlinuxfest.org. Um, and we would like some help in finding people to come and join our team at the tables in some finding some equipment and if you have any more ideas for tables. If you would like to uh, have more information about this if you can go to the hackerpublicradio.org website and hopefully we'll have some information available for you there. So if you would like, if you're in the Washington area anywhere near this uh, this festival it would be uh, a cool festival to attend and if you're interested in helping us out and meeting some of the hosts here at HBR please feel free to uh, come up and say hello there's going to be uh, stickers and possibly some business cards available for you on the day we're actually running competition for business cards that are going to be hopefully printed and distributed over there on that day so if you are um, good with art in any way and want to put some together the front we can have ten a hundred different versions for the front of the business cards so if you want to make your mark on HPR now is a great to do it and now back to the show Yeah. 
origin of open source. Now, when I did this talk, I wasn't sure what that meant. And when we get to the end of this, you all know what it means here. So, here's this talk of 42 origin. I'm going to have to count what I already did. Um, it's a very brief discussion of open source philosophy. Thank <laughs> you. 
in order to survive, you basically have to learn from your practice. You have to learn from your neighbors. Or if you're working with the NAMS here for one month or two years later, to uh, have that experience come. Somewhat later than that, somewhere, you know, the Bible was probably written about 6,000 years ago, um, people decided that we needed class structure and power and wealth things along those lines. And up until then, everything was probably shared, shared alike, or integrated content. Uh, after that, things got a little private. And uh, that's sort of where all the problems started. So, when you have a power structure, if you have a power struggle, if you have wealth involved, it's in your best interest to keep things that make you rich and powerful to yourself. And uh, so the idea of sharing what you learn kind of went away. So in order to become open source in today's world, you have to shed thousands and thousands and thousands of years of problematic thinking. So let's move ahead, you know, a little less than four million years. And in here, somewhere around the year 6980, of course, call me. Um, we, had, we had these Egyptian folks, and since this is about a history lesson, there's been some debate recently about the fact that the Egyptians and the Egyptians sort of uh, developed pyramid building, the concept of pyramid building around the same time, and simultaneously individually each other. But this is not really about This is about the idea of building a pyramid to begin with. Somebody had the right idea. It's like, well, when we die, we want spiritual ascension. How do we do that? Well, we accomplish that by building this great big building and making a temple to ourselves. Well, it's a particular idea. Well, apparently one guy had this idea. So he inscribed a whole bunch of people, told them they are. This is what I want. Then you got to do it. The result is this. Uh, the sort of we call this the scepter. This is what your early Christians looked like. Because this is how they figured out how to do it. It's like you start with a square layer, you make a smaller square layer on top. You figure out how to build stuff up this way, but it doesn't fall over when you get done. That's a good thing. You know, the problem is this was a proprietary idea. You know, this was a temple built for oneself, and you didn't tell anybody else how to do it. So, the next person we met who looked at this temple and said, Well, I'd like to do one of those too. I'd like to make mine a little bit better, a little more interesting one. But I'm going to have to figure out how to do this for myself. So, the next generation is going to get this. This is called the state. Uh, if anyone's familiar with the pyramid, um, I, I can't remember the name of the pyramid, but I actually had this stuff built. Well, I started building this one. They said, Well, I'm going to build it at a certain pitch because I want it to be tall and inviting and inspiring for those people to see it. Well, they got up a little ways and discovered that if they could build it at this pitch, they couldn't possibly build it. It was going to sink into the ground because Egypt is not made of you know, uh, bedrock, Egypt is made of sand. Much. And it's, you 
certain points are well, we want to see the ice cream right there, and we're going to have to change the angle a little bit. So it, 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 it's lower. Very, very little pyramid, and as you can see, it didn't seem to be right. It's the same thing. However, this is a problem for proprietary technology. We didn't have the information from the previous builder, had nothing to expand on, had to make his own mistake. So you get what is a very long last name, but what's still a mistake. And then somebody came along and said, well, I kind of get the idea. I'm going to reverse engineer this a little bit. I'm going to make a better pyramid and figure out how to do the rock. So somewhere along the line, many, many years later, probably hundreds of thousands of years later, I don't remember how long time since last, you get what looks like an actual pyramid. And then you get the snakes and a bunch of other stuff that's still around today. And so, after much trial and error, reconfiguring things over thousands and thousands of years, because no one bothered to hand down this information because everything was close to the best, you finally get something that looks like a reasonable facsimile of success. You know, this pyramid's been around for a long time, and it would still look better if all the people. Uh, or around thousands of years later, didn't steal everything from the top down. But this kind of reminded me of a certain company. A certain company who spends a lot of time developing software in a proprietary way. And after many, many years of iterations, it's finally achieved something that kind of looks like success. It's a place based around it. So. And uh, here's, here's where religion came in a little bit. Uh, not that Egypt, Egypt wasn't all about religion, too. Um, this is where things get a little semi preachy, so sorry. Um, in, in the open source religion, we're talking about before installment at this point, uh, advocating things, being advocates for something, is a good thing. You want something to be self-promotion, you want people to talk about it, you want, you want to advance the art. But to be to be insistent about it, to the exclusion of all else, is problematic. I mean, you don't want to force your views on someone else. You know, that's a description of slavery as um, I see this a lot in the human source world. You know, there are the fedora heads, there are the demigods, there are, you know, like figure distribution, whatever. And nothing else is as good, nothing else can ever be as good, so on and so forth. So if you have ever been called or used to turn like evangelist or evangelism, across like apostatism, or zealotry, and I'm sure everybody here has seen it at least once when talking about open source. Sometimes you might be called a Gen Z Nazi or something like that. You know, any Gen Z Nazis here? <laughs> no one's going to get that. But, you know, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's great to want to be about open source. But I've heard people uh, walking up and down the halls complaining about the fact that somebody walked in the room with an iPad. You know, or something along those lines. I don't think that's necessarily necessarily what we need to be doing. We want to be we want to be proud of what we have, we want to be advocates. We don't want to be the public of the open source. 
So, there's a sort of factor that gets worse than this. Everybody gets a flight like they did four million years ago, four million years ago, excuse me, four million years ago, it's very rare. Four million years ago, people shared ideas. That's how society prospered. Is that the technical truth today? Yeah, of course it is. You share ideas, you promote your thought process without being selling. Uh, ideas that will foster. And of course, in the open source world are more different standards anyway. If you put everything out there for people to learn from or add to, that's the best way to maintain to property. Uh, but unfortunately, our society is capitalism. We, we like capitalism. We want more stuff. We want to buy things. If you've, ever, if you've ever looked at a laptop on a website and called it sexy, you know, that's, that's what this is all about. It's all about capitalism. And there's a great air sex car around there. We're not doing it. So the problem with open source is that open source is almost by definition communism. You know, you want everybody to share the wealth. You want everybody to be on the same plane and be able to have the same things. To not have to keep up with the Joneses. So when you advocate communism, you are going against the well-established concepts of capitalism. So I think for now, those things have to coexist. You have to have your Microsoft, your capitalists, to live with us, the communists, the socialists. So we can move forward a little bit further. This is about that long ago. Uh, there was a resurgence, and because I have to be an amateur radio operator, this is going to go slightly that way right now. Uh, there's a resurgence of open source idealism. This happened before software. We have this guy. Clearly, 
but I think most of the insane people have most of the knowledge from this part. So, you get what you get. Let me have this guy. Um, and 
human human, something that's open source that's derived from the standard that somebody figured out. But these are electronic devices, which means they were probably invented in some part, or in most part, by somebody like Tesla, who all he wanted to do was patent everything on himself, to be paying electricity, to provide wireless electricity to the world. And it's become rich while doing so. Zero Day, 1983. Um, this is when 1983, kind of a pivotal year, when the idea of open source and the embodiment of open source kind of come together. There's, uh, there's an interesting mix on the slide of open and closed thinking. The IETF. It's kind of a progenitor of open source. Open source as a field of study, as a way of thinking. Uh, they created the concept of open standards. And they also created DRC, the idea of DRC, request problem, which is an open source way of communicating ideas to develop future standards. Well, DARPA, which a lot of people probably consider voodoo, black magic, one of the EPL government's evil empires. Um, they use all those standards, those open standards developed by the IETF to do their work. Now, what comes of that work, anybody can say, nobody can say, I guess, unless you're part of DARPA. Um, and I guess no one can admit to that in this room. But they use our they use open standards because they see it as a good thing. They also use request comments to do their work. And this is one of the you know most closed, most close to the best, hidden secretive military agencies that exist today. You know, not counting the NSA. So these these do not quite be as equal as they were. I mean, back when they were hard before the government, they, they were kind of better than this So Richard Stallman obviously was born in 1983, but this is when he took the ideas <coughs> that were in his head, mixed up with those of uh, other people, and joined joined them together to do things like this, that the IETF promulgated uh, and started the Free Software Foundation and also announced the idea of the things that he's famous for. Things like free software, copylefting, which copylefting was a real interesting uh, legal, legalese uh, concept where instead of using copywriting to retain your rights, you use copywriting to make sure that the rights are promoted, that everyone is giving the rights. So being as the opposite of copywriting, they called it copyleft. He also created this document that many people call holy, the GPL. Um, the new public license is what makes Linux Linux, but um, well, anyway, the second 
Um, and most of the work that was done in propagating these ideas was done over the precursor to the internet. And the precursor to the internet is the argument that is it a coincidence that something that has become closed source and cloak and dagger was started as an open source idea? No, not at all. Because one idea evolves from the other and both have to coexist. Um, Stalin was also integral in creating the standard that we now call posits. Uh, I believe he actually created it out of whole cloth. So he's the inventor of posits. The standard that we still use today to do software. Now, the reason that Emacs comes into this is because I had to come back to religion at some point, because Stalin's kind of like a religious icon. Um, and these are, these are quotes that are attributed to Richard Stalin and his. Because if anyone's going to be called an open source zealot, RMS is the guy. And these are some of the reasons why. Why is he so into Emacs? Well, because he created it. So everybody in this room who likes Emacs is a friend of Richard Stallman's. He calls himself St. Ignatius of the Church of Emacs. Pretty specific uh, religious reference. He also calls by, 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 by three times, which also happens to be Roman Game 6, the United Church of Beast. And uh, so, these, these religious concepts just can't get away from them. You know, they keep showing up. The idea that open source, to some, is a religion. This is uh, the beginning of the text of GPL. Uh, there are lots of open source licenses these days. GPL is just one of them. The reason why the GPL is so prominent is because it's Linux. Everything that is Linux is released under the GPL. After your BSD user, and I see some of the horns out here, um, BSD is released under the BSD license. Well, there's kind of a, not a problem necessarily, but there's an interesting side effect of BSD license. The GPL, because it's copyleft, promotes the idea that anything that's released under the GPL continues to be GPL which means everything going forward will be free and open for everyone else to build and expand from. BSD almost takes the opposite approach. BSD is so open that it's closed. Because you can take BSD code, write a closed source bit of software, and release it without fear of retribution. So there, there can be a gap. So, it's a downside to openness. BSD license. Well, for some things, it's probably great. You know, you write off the, you write this pretty wide piece of throwaway code and you just release it under the BSD license because you really don't care what happens to it. But if you want something to stay open, you have to use a different license. GPL is a good one. So the GNU project, again, Richard Stallman, uh, started in September 19. Uh, where the GPL was developed by him. So does anyone know what the new herd is? Unfinished. It is unfinished. You know why it's unfinished? They try to make it too complicated of a kernel instead of just using a... More or less. 
Uh, it's actually because of the next four months that it's going to be. And you heard it's actually what Linux is supposed to be. The problem is, if you and a new project got all their got all their software done except for the kernel, except for the operating system. The operating system was supposed to be the kernel, the heard part of the new kernel. Well, maybe we're going for the micro the microkernel architecture, everything in user space, or almost everything in user space. They, they when they got to that point, they discovered, wow, programming is really hard. So they got to about 1991, tried to develop a new curve. And then Torvalds walks in and says, I've got a kernel. It's already done. It's all next. Installment says, help. We'll take it. So they get together and get now you have to do this. Which is why Spalding is so adamant about calling Linux a new Linux. Because all the software is his. Kernel is Linux's. Now, the GNU project is still working on Kernel. They'd really like to finish it. Um, and it's my understanding that it's about 60% complete. And that there's a project called Debian GNU Kernel, which you can actually download and install on a test box. It's definitely not something you want to use in production. But you can run a GNU operating system that has nothing of Linux in it. If you want to try this, don't no, no. stick with Linux like the rest of us or BSD, you know, whatever you're making this. But the new word, while it's not finished, as has been pointed out, does still exist. And it's still being developed. And you can run it on i386 and uh, AMD64. So, Stalin comes up with the idea of free software, which is what you think is free as in reason, liberation, not as in mind. Although, it's often free as in fear as well. Open source was a term that was used as a bargaining unit to uh, codify what free software is and to make it more accessible to other entities to give it a face in, in an era of litigiousness, of patents, you know, of capitalism, in other words. Open source is the face of free software in, in our capitalist society. It's, it's where we can encapsulate the socialism of being free inside the greed of everything else. So what else is open source? I mean, open source, you know, for a large, for a large part of time, we talk about software. But there's also other open source things that are open standards. There are other things that are open. Uh, one, of the other, one of the things that's coming into the forefront now is open hardware. There is the Open Logo project, which is trying to create open, open uh, cell phone hardware so that you can do with it whatever you want. I don't know where they are in their development cycle right now. But it's, it's a cool project anyway. Um, everybody here has heard of the Arduino, I assume. If you haven't, you might want to check into it. It's an open source microcontroller. Um, people are doing interesting and crazy wacky things with the Arduino. 
It's very cheap. Uh, it's easy to use, easy to program for. Software for open source that runs it is funded, and it's again a cool project. Sun, before Sun was no longer Sun, created the Open Spark processor. This project is probably dead, thanks to Larry, um, if it wasn't already before. But again, it's, a, it's an attempt at an open standard other than software. Uh, there's, there's open content, things like Creative Commons. Uh, Creative Commons, this is one of those things that pisses off the RIAA and so on. And that is considered to be a I consider that personally. Uh, Wikipedia is open source content. Um, and as everybody knows, you have to take open source content with a grain of salt in this. No one goes to Wikipedia thinking they're getting facts. They're getting rough approximations. And now, again, as I talked about healthcare, open standards are now encroaching in healthcare. These organizations are open health organizations where they deal with open source software and um, things like RFCs to deal with initiatives that don't get dealt with by flows for capitalists and drug societies. You know, this is not AstraZeneca, these are open organizations. Organizations to deal with things like malaria, um, third world diseases, and uh, things like, uh, oh, what's the one I can't think of? Anyway, stuff, stuff that no one's developing cures for at this point. These initiatives are designed to deal with those. Because, as Chris Rock says, um, if there's no money in it, there's never going to be a cure. Scale moved up to today, 27 years after the foundation of the Free Software Foundation and uh, the surgeons and the insurgents made our RMS. So, there's two different kinds of freedom in software freedom or in open source. We both, I guess we all know this. We love stuff that's free, free as computer. Free as computer is now great. But the real freedom in open source is the freedom from patents and conferences, things that keep technology down, that keep that open source religion, that, associate, that socialism that's my expanding. The second bullet in the Libre section, please take that to heart. This is where I have thoughts. Software patents are evil. And rant. Do whatever you can to find them. And if you're not, if you're not involved in amateur radio or open source, both of which are open standards right now, please get involved. <coughs> I believe that free uh, and open source software is an ultimately attainable goal. But we have to be patient. We have to not evangelize. We have to not be that guy I just was 10 seconds ago in order to get them. We have to coexist with our capitalist brethren. We have to not diss the people walking around with the iPhone while we wave around our ambulance, etc. Et I also believe that because open source is a more powerful idea uh, and because it has more dedicated backers, 
that will come out on top eventually. But not today. Today, we we'll just go on about our lives and promote and do what we can, and we'll get there. Everything that's needed always gets there. And I'm going to end this talk, hopefully not too early, with uh, a little 1 minute 49 second music from Hitler Dude, which means I don't have to talk for 1 minute 49 seconds. Is uh, anybody so here familiar with a group called the Mitchell Smith? Oh, Yay! Okay. So the rest of you just love the games. Now, the reason this talk is interesting to me is because it's a song about the hate of closed source. It's about just like, specifically, Bill Gates. What's interesting about the song is it's not Creative Commons. I had to get permission from the author to play. So, once again, I coexist in the capitalist society to bring you something interesting in an audio form. It's also an MP3, so. Take that, watch a lot. Anyway, this is the case. Yeah. Except they turned off all of them. Try again. my plug.
Caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.